And that's kind of what we're going to be playing with, with those words, who I know I am. And, you know, those, that phrase could mean so much. You know, who I know is because, is the reason why I am who I am. Who I know is why I am. Um, you know, it's so interesting that I know that who I am today because of the one who I've met, the I am, my God. And um, I think today you're going to be blessed because in a few minutes we're going to have a, a group of individuals come up here and share their stories. And, and the reason why I wanted to do that is because you hear from me so much. And I thank you for coming and, and wanting to, to hear um, from my words because I listened to the podcast and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that, but thank you. <laughs> and then um, I want you guys not just to hear from me, but I want you to hear that we're not making this stuff up from other people and how their identity um, has been shifted and reshaped and just transformed in Christ. Amen? So I know you'll be blessed, but before we get into that, I want you to look at Mark chapter 2. If you could look at verse 13 with me, it's, a, it's such a, a story that we overlook and um, we don't pay attention too much to. And it's the story of Matthew, um, the tax collector, being called to be Jesus' disciple. Staying with that phrase, who I know I am, I want you to look at this passage. Let's read it. Let me introduce this and, and then we'll discuss it a little bit and then we'll call the people up. In verse 13 it says, Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and he followed him, being Jesus. So now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Verse 16, And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and with sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, and he says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The reading of God's word. Amen? It's powerful. You know, you look at this story of, of Mark chapter 2, and, and you look at verse 13 through 17, and Jesus calls Matthew, and we see that his name is also Levi. I don't know if you caught that. And, and, and there's so many different ways that people look at this, and, and there's, an, there's not a sh assurance of, of how his name was changed, if it was Matthew, Levi, if uh, his name was later on changed to Matthew. But we see that from birth, his name, Matthew's name was Levi. And he's a tax collector, and he's working. And at this time, Jesus already has four specific disciples that I want to name to you. Two sets of brothers. At this time, Jesus already has James and John, and he has Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew are brothers, and James and John are Andrew. And those four guys were fishermen. Everyone say fishermen. There's a reason. Okay. And these fishermen, one day, were fishing out and throwing out their nets, and Jesus was passing by the Sea of Galilee. And as he was passing by, he says, drop your nets, drop everything, and follow me. And they dropped everything, they followed them. James and John specifically, Scripture says that they left their father in the boat with his hired servants and they left their father and to come and follow Jesus. So you have four fishermen following Jesus. 
Now as they're doing life together, they pass by the sea again. And as they pass by the sea, someone has a little booth up, a little office right by the seashore. And his name is Matthew, Matthew Levi. And he's a tax collector. This is a very interesting story for many reasons. One of the things that pop up is this. A tax collector was very hated um, during the times of Jesus. They were despised people. Tax collectors were looked down upon. Though they had money, they were looked down upon. Let me tell you why. They were Jewish. Matthew Levi was a Jew. Just his name, Levi, is a proof that he was a Jew. No other, no Gentile would be called Levi in these days. And as a tax collector, people hated him because he was a crook. He was a thief. He would steal from other Jews and steal from people's company. He would take more that was needed more than what he was supposed to. And what were the Jews going to do because Rome had his back? If you do something to me, the Roman government will take care of you. So Jews hated people like Matthew because Matthew was known as a thief and as a crook, as a gangster of his day, a thug of his day. And not only that, but then he would take some of the money that he would steal from people and he would give it to the Roman government. He would give a percentage to Rome. So the Jews hated them, number one, because you steal from us. And number two, you give money to our enemies. You make our enemies richer. Two huge reasons why we hate you, Matthew. Everyone understand? So Matthew was not loved. Matthew was not liked. Matthew was someone that when he passed by a crowd, people sighed. People rolled their eyes at him. People were like, get out. We don't want you here. He wasn't a... A very popular person with common people. If you notice, he throws a go-away party. Who does he invite? Other tax collectors and Mark says, and sinners, for there were many. Many sinners and many tax collectors go to his party, and Jesus is the guest host at his party. I know, there's some over-religious people probably right now that are just really mad at this. So are the Pharisees. Don't worry about it. Just deal with it. And that's just the way Christianity has always been. There's, there's always people in the faith that are just over-religious, that nitpick at the, the littlest things. And this was one. Jesus is eating with sinners. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. But that's what was going on with Jesus. What is your Jesus doing eating with those sinners? And what is your Jesus doing at that party? And what is he doing hanging out with the thugs of his day? So interesting. You know, I look at Matthew's name, the tax collector, Matthew, called Levi. He's by the sea. He's got a booth up. And guess who's with Jesus? James, John, Andrew, and Peter. Two sets of brothers, four brothers, four guys, and they were all what by trade? They were all fishermen. And his booth is by the sea. Well, guess who he was taxing most of his life? the fishermen themselves. So when Jesus looks at Matthew and says, follow me, can you imagine James, John, Peter, and Andrew? Not him, not him, not him. He's stolen from my father over years and over, and, and he's stolen from us years after year. Not Levi. Pick another person. This is a, Jesus, we hate him. You could almost see Peter telling Jesus that, right? He's a crook. He's stolen from us and from our dad. We don't like Matthew. Mind you, it's so cool what Jesus does. That's who he picks to kind of mesh in with the other four guys. You guys are like family now. Do ministry together. It's funny how who God calls us to do ministry with sometimes, right? 
And he does that, and he says, follow me. So that's already something odd, because you know that he's like, hi, James. <laughs> hi, John. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Peter. My bad about previous years stealing from you guys. Like, it's so odd. It's just so awkward, that situation. But the second thing that's real cool about this thing is this. His name is Levi. Levites is the name of the priestly family. Levites is the name given to him by his parents. And that's very odd to me for many reasons because when he was born, nothing in his parents wanted him to be a tax collector. They wanted him to work in the house of the Lord. They wanted him to enter into ministry. They wanted him to go to the, to the rabbinic priesthood, the, the school, the rabbinic school. They even named him Levi because they wanted him to live out his name. And I remember reading this passage, and it's the reason why I went through with Jackson. Because God's, Jackson means God has shown grace and favor, and I want Jackson to live out his life showing God's grace and favor. And, and, and Levi gets called Levi because the parents want him to be a priest. The, the parents want him to work in the temple. The parents want him to be a religious leader. His parents want him to follow in the steps of God, right? Like many of us parents. But something happened in Matthew's life where he said, nah, I don't want to go that route. I don't want to take that path. I don't want to go where everyone wants me to go, and I don't want to go where God is calling me right now. It kind of reminds me of Jonah. But I don't want to be Levi. I want to be someone else. And somewhere in his life, he went from being a priest, or he went from hoping to be in the ministry of the Lord, to now being a despised criminal thug tax collector. Well, not necessarily a criminal, more criminal to the Jewish eyes, but just a thug. How did Levi, from a godly family, who they've pampered him to become a godly man, become this crooked tax collector? How many of us have read that and we never considered that? We looked at that and we never considered that somewhere in his life, he chose to be someone else. His identity was shaped by something in his life that caused him to be something totally different than God wanted him to be. I'll prove to you that God didn't want him to be a tax collector because God called him out of the office to follow him for the rest of the days. Close up your shop. No longer did Matthew go back to being a tax collector. What shaped his identity? Where did he go off and where did he go wrong? Where did he go from becoming a priest in the house of God to being a despised, crooked tax collector hated by all the Jews? Something must have influenced him. Something must have happened where he should have made a right. It's obvious that Matthew made a left. I'm sure that some of us in this room could relate to Matthew Levi, right? So Jesus steps into his life one day. How many of you could praise God that Jesus stepped into your life? And he looks at you just like he looked at Levi. And he said, follow me. In the middle of you selling drugs, follow me. In the middle of you doing drugs, follow me. That's crazy. In the middle of hatred, follow me. In the middle of adultery, follow me. In the middle of sin, follow me. And you're like, me? Yeah, follow me. Okay. And we go and we follow God and then our lives have taken a whole new shape and a whole new form, totally transformed. And that tax collector is no longer known. Now you look at Matthew and we have a gospel that we read of him. And the gospel of Matthew is written by him. He's a follower of Jesus, one of the 12 that will eventually shape the world forever. 
an ordinary thug of his day, tax collector, who God grabs him, reminds him of who he was called to be, transforms his identity, and here becomes Matthew, the man of God, to change people's lives for the rest of his life. Something happened that he found God, and his identity was shifted from that of a crooked tax collector to Matthew, a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. How many of you could praise God that Jesus spoke to your heart one day? Follow me. Amen. You know, Matthew wasn't perfect for the rest of his life. You know, Jesus called me years ago to follow me, and I'm not perfect. But I haven't stopped following him. And I know everyone in this room is not perfect. You found your identity in Christ. It's been difficult for some of you, but you haven't stopped following him. Amen? I'm going to call a couple people up here, and I want, the first thing I want you to know is this, is they're not perfect. Because you might know something about them that I don't even know, and you'll be like, I can't believe he has them up there. Who cares? Because I would be saying the same thing about you if I called you up here. So, you know, I can't believe that I'm up here. So if you're going to say that about anyone, I can't believe that I'm up here. And then if you're up here, you can't believe that yourself is not up here. And these are certain individuals that throughout life, they heard that follow me. And their lives are now identified in Christ with weaknesses, with strengths, with ups, with downs. They've gone through life and they're experiencing what it is to follow Christ on a daily. I love these people and um, we're going to do this, something similar to this in the months to come. But the first person, since she's sitting right here, is Yadi. I'm going to ask you to give Yadi a hand as Yadi comes up here. Yadi. We love you, Yadi. Everyone say, go Yadi. Go Yadi. And Yadi's going to go ahead and, and, and take a seat. The, the next... Uh, I'm going to call a family up here, and, and I love them, and I got to work with, with this woman, and, and, and some of my greatest moments at work is just going into her, she had this little office, and we'll go in, and I, I will go in sometimes just to speak to her for five minutes, but I promise you, every time I went for five minutes, it ended up being the whole class period, the bell rang, I go, okay, I got a class now, and I would have to run to my class, but our, our conversations and our talks and times that we would even pray together for certain things, it, it just really blessed my life and my time there at, at, at that job, and I'm going to ask her and her husband, whom I love. I'm going to ask the, the Diaz family, Jose and Aixa, to come up here so you could give them a hand as the Diaz family comes up. I'll help you up there. This is the most nervous. This is, there it is. You guys have just passed the worst part of being up here today, coming up the steps. Uh, and then the next one, I'm going to ask uh, someone who I've, I've grown to love, and, and, and I love him dearly, and... Every time I have a conversation with him, he probably doesn't know this, um, but, uh, but I'm blessed uh, just by what God's doing and um, how he's uh, driven and, and, and running after the Lord, him and his family, and I'm encouraged um, always by him, just hanging out with him and doing life with him, and he has a servant heart where he would stop whatever he's doing, and I've seen him in my time knowing him, um, to serve people, not just me, but to serve people, and if you know him, you'll probably be like, it's true, he does. And I love him dearly. I'm going to ask Tony Garay to come up here. So give your hand as Tony comes up. Man. I hope you're up too. <laughs> All right. There you go. Love you, man. Find the seat. And then the best one, and, and I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but, you know, I tell my students that when they complain, they, you're not supposed to have favorites, Mr. F. I said, where is that biblical? 
I know God is not a respecter of persons, but God had 12 disciples, and he had three, sometimes four, that he always stuck around him that were his favorites. So here's my favorite person that I'm going to call up. I'm sorry, you guys. I love every single one of you. But this person's, this person's better than all of them. I'm going to ask my wife, Nancy, to come up. My favorite one. So I'm going to help her up, because if then she falls, then, you know, I'm done. Wow. She's independent, yeah. Yeah. He's independent. All right. So, so pretty much, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask Molly since he's going to help me out with a mic and, and maybe they, um, hand one off you guys in the couch and then could use that one and Tony could use a, um, one of the wireless ones. And I think you'll be blessed uh, by today. Here, love. Um, this is what I want to do. And I, th- I think this is going to be something that's going to really um, impact our lives. Um, each one of these individuals, I, I was able to speak to them this weekend and, and kind of share with them my heart and what I, what I was looking for and, 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 and um, pretty much how they could bless us as a church. And, and I have spoken to all these individuals at some point of their life just to hear a little bit about them and what God has done and what God is doing. And it's always been encouraging to hear from them something, um, hear their story and, and, and just, just be encouraged by it. And I was sharing with them in the office when we prayed this morning, I said, you know, Scripture says that we overcome by the, by the power um, of the Word and by the Word of our testimony, by the Word of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. And, and that's amazing, though. The power of the blood and the Word of our testimony are two amazing things. Um, and, and today you're going to experience that, yes, it's the Word of our testimony covered by the power of His blood. Amen? And um, one encouraging thing that, that they're able to deliver the message in this little um, time that we get to interview and talk to them. And, and I think you're going to be uh, just blessed as we get into this identity. So, so this is what I want to ask them, and, and this is what, um, and we'll start off, and, and, and they'll go in and out, and, and we'll discuss some things. But as I've been talking about the first two weeks of identity and, and what identity looks like, and there's so much more that we could have said and what we could say and, and things that we've probably left out and I mean, just imagine how much many more weeks and months ago go with this topic of identity. Uh, but I think it's truly something that the world is longing for um, today. I, I, was reading, I was reading for some, something today that someone posted on, on social media, and they, were, they wrote something about people live for likes when they're actually longing for love. And, and, and that's what we do. We live for people to like our stuff and to put like on something because that's today's language, right? Did you like it? Hey, I'm going to post it. Make sure you like it. And in reality, we're longing for something love. And I'm wondering if there's a loss of identity that you want people to see something that's there or something that's not even true. And we see that all throughout. If we just open up our eyes and we put on the television, we look within our family, we see that identity has really taken a hit. And it's something that the devil likes to steal from us. And we spoke about that. So the first question that I'm going to ask is, is what does this mean to you, this phrase that we're going to start up with today, which is who I know I am, who I know I am. And what does that mean to you guys as you're up here and just to get you guys revved up? And I don't know which one of you want to start, if you want to start from Tony this way or if any of you just want to say I'll be the first one. Um, but the wife is going to break the ice. Who I know I am. Here it is. Okay, so when we had discussed meeting about this, and I would overhear my husband talking to everybody in the car, I'm like, well, I don't even know what I'm going to share, because what have I not shared that nobody's ever heard before? So we were talking back and forth, and 
and I started thinking a lot about my past and my past I would say more about like my college years and in my college years I went through this season in my life that I didn't know who I was I, I, I felt like I had no identity and I was always in and out of relationships and I was writing this down because actually right now something else came to my mind um, I felt like um, the movie Julia Roberts, um, Runaway Bride, because in every relationship she would always mold to whoever she was with. So one relationship she liked this type of eggs, another relationship she liked this style of eggs. And I felt like that's how I was. I never had my own true identity with relationships, with friendships. I, I always was the one who tried to make people happy. I was always the one who was pouring into people's lives, pouring into relationships, and I was never receiving anything back. So I was like, I don't even know who I am. And I remember one Thanksgiving, um, I think it was probably the worst Thanksgiving of my life, and I'm sure my parents remember. Um, I was just laying down on, on the couch, and you know, Thanksgiving is a family time, and we're all having fun, that's like the, one time of the year when you really see like all your family and we're all close and that Thanksgiving I was just I was so depressed I was crying I, I even questioned why I was alive I, I I didn't even have a reason to want to go on anymore and you know as I started realizing little by little and I started church hopping and you know again trying to find my identity throughout different churches, I finally came to realize at a point in my life that this whole time I was trying to make so many people happy and pouring into different relationships and pouring into different friendships that I was pouring into the wrong relationship. And the relationship that I needed to start pouring into was my relationship with Christ. And finally, when I started doing that, um, it's funny because that's around the time that I met him. And I remember he took me out on a date and his first words that came out of his mouth were I'm not like you like I'm I don't know who you think I am but I'm not this person I'm different and for once in my life I looked at him and I was like and what does that mean like I don't want you to think that I'm going to church for you for once in my life, I was doing something for myself. Like, I cared about my relationship with God. I cared about what I was going to do to help myself first. And ever since then, I mean, of course, it's not smooth sailing, but pieces have come together. And, like, looking at how I was back then and seeing where I am now, I know who my identity is, and my identity is in Christ. And I wrote these verses down because back then when I was in those horrible moments in my life, like, I didn't think I was worth anything. And when I came across this verse back then and do, through different preachings that I heard, um, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who not had obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And I'm thinking of how I was back then, and I'm like, hello, like, look who God has called me to be. Like, look how special I am, that he chose me, you know? So that's how I know who I am, because I am who I am in him. 
the mic. Rui, you'll be in the next one. <laughs> Amen. Who I know I am. Who I know I am. After I got married, you know, my wife was, uh, she was in the church. Of, uh, you know, she was brought up. I wasn't. You know, all I have was, as all Catholics, we were just, just that. You know, we went to church, nothing else. I had an idea kind of what I was. But I didn't respect it that. You know, I did things, I lived life like I was the one in charge. Time progressed. My second daughter's, my first daughter's finally uh, born, so my second, you know, my second kid. I was still lost. My marriage at that point, you know, even though we loved each other for, for a long time, had no idea where we were going. I still thought that I was in charge. And one day, God actually, you know, spoke to me, probably because my wife was praying a lot for us. And at that point, I said, I don't know anymore. I have no idea where I'm going. You know what? God says to me, he said, hey, listen, dude, I don't care what you're going to say to us. But you know what? I care for her. I've given you this opportunity. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go to see where you think you are. I find myself at the bottom of the pit. I had no idea. I was, at that point, I, have, I had no clue. And then I realized, you know, as other people were talking to me, that... God was the answer. God spoke to me and said, hey, if you want a good life, if you want the opportunity to make this marriage work, you have to change. I've, I'm going to let the reins go, and I'm going to see where you are. Time passed. It wasn't for too long. And I find myself that I had to bend my knees. And then I actually had the opportunity to talk to God and say, hey, I want to know who you are. I want to take this opportunity to, to really experience what you've done. And, you know, I see my wife that, you know, she was happy up to a certain point, you know. And once I actually let the reins completely go and let him be in charge of my life, I had realized at that moment that everything that I had been missing, my life changed completely from who I was. I no longer need to be in charge of anything at all. I find out that, you know, God loves me so much, and all of us actually, that he takes care of everything that we do in the little things in life. Time has passed, and I cannot just believe how, when I thought that I was in charge, I can't believe that actually he was still in charge. He was just letting go for me so I can realize and come to my own senses of what God is. 
and what makes the changes in, in, in everybody's life. And pray, I still praise every single day for that. I remember every single moment. Because without that, I'll still, I don't know where I will be. Thanks. Well, I definitely know that I am not a person who likes to be in front of people talking. <laughs> so um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the first Sunday that we started talking about all this and um, that week I found something that it just brought, um, it, it really, it just summarized everything that I've always prayed for every time because I am very shy I kind of like freak out about everything so um, and I found this picture that it says I am the daughter of a king who is not moved by the world for my God is with me and goes before me I do not fear because I am his so um, that's who I am I am God's daughter um, I grew up in a very religious home with my mom. Uh, my sister's here and she knows. Um, I went for 12 years, we went for all our lives to Catholic school, so that's the kind of religious family we had. When I was um, in seventh grade, maybe 11, 12 years old, I, um, my mom started, someone invited her um, to go to this church that will meet, or this group that they will meet uh, in a pharmacy at nighttime. And um, this was back in Puerto Rico. And uh, she will invite me and said, I don't want to go there. They're too loud. They sing too loud. They have too many instruments. And I don't like that. I, it, it bothers my ears. Um, needless to say, I have never experienced the presence of God or, or God speaking to me and telling me that I was his child and he will take care of me for the rest of my life. And that's what he's done. He has taken care of me um, until this point. And uh, I, when I forget who I am or where I need to go, I just remind myself, okay, I don't need to freak out. God is in control. I'm his. He's going to take care of it. But. Um, yeah, it's been pretty interesting. <laughs> okay, I'm super nervous, so forgive me. Um, I chose to speak about forgiveness, and I chose to say that I am, I know I am forgiven. Just because forgiveness was, has always been a struggle for me, personally. I, I believe that God forgives us, right? That's what, the purpose of the cross, right? Our salvation. And I believe for everyone that they have been forgiven, but it was hard for me to believe that God would forgive me. And even being a Christian, when, when I would fail, it was hard for me to, to me, like, I know I shouldn't have done this, and I kind of didn't believe that God would forgive me. And I still struggle with that today. And I just chose to say that I'm forgiven. And that 
according to Hebrews 10:17, he no longer remembers our sin and his mercies are new every morning. And I grew up in a house where we were Catholic, but we wouldn't go to church, so we weren't even Catholic. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't even, um, really, I wouldn't even pray. So it was really hard for me to really get to know Christ because it was hard for me to pray. And until I started to, I continued, even being a Christian, you know, I would come on Sundays and, and I would encourage people about Christ. And I knew in my heart that I loved Jesus, but I was talking about a Jesus that I heard of, not a Jesus that I really knew. And until I, I sought him in my own time and realized that God has so much more than what I think what I think I'm going to have, God has so much better. And I was in a really tough relationship that it was really hard for me to get out of. And I tried for a long time on my own strength. And I kept, it was like a cycle. I kept going back. And until I really, like I said, okay, God, I can't take this anymore. The clock is ticking. My age, I, this is not what I want. <laughs> Like, I want a husband, I want a family, and this is not, I'm not gonna get this in this place. And, and I really had to fight every single day to open my Bible and see and, and seek and pray a lot for God to really show me, like, give me the strength to, to be where He wants me to be and to forgive myself because my toughest battle was forgiving myself. It wasn't that God doesn't forgive me. It was just me not forgiving me. So I'm forgiven. What was the question again? <laughs> um, I think who I am now is simple. It's a disciple. You know, God has revealed to me now that I'm in Christ, you know, what it, what it is he wants me to do and why I lived the life that I thought I was in control the whole time. And um, I was at a point growing up in high school and junior high where, I, I, you know, I became very popular. Um, I knew a lot of people and, you know, people like, believed in me and, and, you know, I was a leader, so they followed me. And unfortunately, I led them to not very good things, you know. Um, I felt a lot of pressure at that time as well because I always had that good person mentality where, you know, I know I'm a good person. Even though I did a lot of bad things, you know, I felt that my, my heart was in the right place. Um, but what I learned now is that my heart was in the right place for me and to cater to the masses, but it wasn't in the right place for the Lord and what his plan was for my life. So in 2007, I met the Lord and... Um, you know, two key points pointed out to me. Um, when I first met the Lord, I was very passionate for him. And my brother, who was on that popularity train with me, you know, one day told me, he's like, he's like who are you, man? You're, you're obsessed with Jesus. And that moment in my life just clicked in my brain, and it just really revealed to me what my identity really was now. And um, it put a lot of pressure on me because I saw who was watching. And um, 
I had to completely give myself to the Lord and let, you know, let him guide my steps, not take control anymore because a mistake could be catastrophic to those who are watching who you know, always followed me. You know? It's a blessing to be a leader, but it's a huge responsibility. And it's a responsibility that I would never, ever want to have without you know, Christ in me. So, you know, praise God is in me, and I hope I can continue to just be a disciple for him, you know? Amen. That's good. That's good. And, and, and I know everyone here has, a, has something that they could share, and that's for sure. Uh, if God is doing a work in us, we all can share something. And, and uh, I'll, t- I'll touch up on my wife. She says that with, with every re- I know God's doing a work in her life because she says that with every relationship, she liked... Um, uh, like Julia Roberts, the eggs, you know, however one guy liked one egg and whatever, the other guy liked the egg, that's how she ate the egg. Till this day, my wife does not eat eggs the way I like to eat my <laughs> eggs. It's weird. We cook eggs her way first, and then, or she'll cook them the way I like them first, and then she cooks the way. We can never just share the eggs like the way we want them, you know, whatever. Okay, so, but, uh, so God's definitely doing something there. Um, Jose shared, shared something, and, you know, he got to a point of his life where he said, you know, I don't know anymore who I am or where I'm going. And if you remember, two weeks ago, I shared that in First Peter chapter 2, uh, where Christ in his own body carried our sins, it says in verse 24. He carried our sins on the cross so that we could be rid of our sin and we could be free to live the right way. That his wounds became our healing, I said. And it says in that scripture that you were lost sheep with no idea who you were and where you were going. But now you're named and you're kept for good by the shepherd of our souls. And um, what a blessing to know that, that now we know who we are. And like Jose was saying, and all of us were saying up here, now we know um, and now we have an idea. Uh, and now we know where we're going because of the one who holds our souls together. Amen? Um, you know, in Scripture, um, the first week we spoke in Acts chapter 4 about uh, Peter and John in the book of Acts, Acts 4. And these were just common, ordinary men, and yet God used them to do extraordinary things. If you remember that passage, they were walking uh, uh, near that beggar, and, and he's like, look, silver and gold we do not have, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And this man gets healed. He was a man that was uh, laid at the gate of beautiful by the temple his whole life since he was a child. And now he's in his adult years, he gets healed. And, and here's Peter and John, and everyone's marveled at them. And we see ordinary men. Uh, remember, they were fishermen, uh, the lowest um, job that you could probably ask for in those days. It wasn't like a, a, an honorable job. It wasn't a successful career. They were just ordinary men, but yet extraordinary things were taking place through their lives. And people were amazed at, pe- at Peter and John uh, because here's Peter and John. They weren't experts of the scriptures. They never took a formal studying um, in theology school or anything like that, but yet they're doing some amazing things. And scripture says that People saw their boldness and marveled because they recognized that these men, that they had been with Jesus. And I read that to you guys and I said, you know, how awesome is that, that, that these guys were living out their lives before people and people recognized and identified them to Jesus. Like, I want to live a life like when people see me, they could identify me to Jesus. Like, that guy's been with Jesus. Uh, not because of what I say and only do, but in a nutshell, who I am all together of my life. And, and that's what these ordinary men were and were doing and people were just wild and identified them uh, to being with Christ. So I guess my question would be something similar to this would be that how has your identity in Christ transformed you? And what I mean by this is basically transformed your influence 
in other people's lives that you once maybe didn't have an influence. You see that every single person here has now said, this is who I am. I found this in Christ. So now that you found this, how has it influenced you, like Peter and John, in the lives of others, or basically to make it even easier for you to answer, um, how has God used you now um, that you have found this identity, you found yourself, where you, who you are and where you're going um, in Jesus? How, how has God used you in that? So I don't know if anyone wants to start that off and, and, and kind, of, um, kind of go ahead and, and share. And this, and this question means a lot to me because here's a kid that he should get tested for learning disability and he should get tested for this. And since I was a young kid, I was in ESE classes. I was in student at risk my whole life. And I don't know what I was at risk at, but they figured I was a student at risk. So they stuck me in a program with delay, I mean, royal rumbles in the middle of my class fights. And I would go, I don't think I'm supposed to be in this kind of classroom. She's like, no, it's good for you. I was like, okay, they're smoking weed in their book bags in the classroom, mom. And those are the kind of friends I just, since middle school, I became friends with, you know, guys that open up their book bags, smoke weed. So I became like them, you know, and my mom didn't see the bigger picture that I'm becoming like these guys and my identity was like them. And so ever since I was little, I was always trying to find my identity. Uh, am I dumb? Am I LD? Am I super hyper and I don't know how to control it? Do I need drugs to calm me down? Am I a delinquent? Do I go fight with them? Do I go to church with my mom on Sundays? And I was so confused my whole life. On Sundays, I was going to church, but that whole night I was drunk. And I'm like going to church like, hey, you know, and I'm a young kid who's drunk and high. And then I'm going to church. Oh, what a mess I was mentally. I didn't know who I was. Am I the kid that was at the party or am I the guy I'm at church with now on Sunday with my mom? So this means a lot to me because when I've truly identified myself with Christ and Christ changed my life, now I've recognized, oh, that is not me. And that was never me. That was me searching for something that I was never created to be. And, and God transformed me to who he is. I, I would have never thought I would even be close to who I am today. But that's obviously what God has done in my life and how God's used me. So this question can mean a lot to or different to each one of you. So how has God influenced you in others' lives and how has God used you? Um, I guess I can, the only example that comes to my mind was, um, like um, Briga was saying, um, I work in a school, and um, this year, I mean, I've done this for a couple of years now, I'm the school registrar, so I'm in charge of um, scheduling everybody, they're giving their classes, and making sure they're taking the classes uh, correctly, plus I need to make sure that all those classes and everybody, it, it, they're correct in the system. So. This, this summer was a real challenge. Um, it was a new administration. It was a completely new way of doing things. And, um, you know, after panicking, I, I took it up on myself and said, okay, I can do this. And after a lot of prayer and a lot of um, Advil and Tylenol. But um, one day I was just in my office and um, after we came from our uh, summer vacation, I came back to work, and um, everything that I have done, it was gone. All the students, they were placed in different classes. I mean, I have sixth graders taking ninth grade classes, and I couldn't imagine how could this have happened. And of course, I have a new uh, headmaster and a new principal, and they're looking at me, I'm like, we just appointed you to do this, and you messed up. So of course, I am sitting in my office, I close the door, I have a, a little thing that you cover your, your window in case of an emergency, either red or green. Um, I put it in red. <laughs> and uh, nobody will come, and I just sat there, and the only thing I could do was pray. And 
um, every time the teachers will come and, and I have a problem and, and I would just look at them and I would just don't say anything, nothing. Everything was fixed, everything, we were able to take care of it. Uh, the first week of school, I get uh, someone knocks on my door and they, one of the teachers, they come in and they go, I have a problem and I need you to fix it. And I'm looking at them like, if you don't get out of my office, I think I'm going to lose it. And then all of them came and they brought me flowers and this gift. And when I open my, the card, one of the things it says, you don't know when we look at you, the strength that you give us. You don't understand um, the peace that you, when you walk in the hallway, even though you were through all this stuff, we don't know how you were able to do it, but only through God. So I did, I never imagined that I projected that, but the only thing I could do was be on my knees and pray, I can do this, you need to help me. So. And then, you know, I want to say something. If you remember last week, we, and it was one of the points that I wanted to make today, but I'll, it's funny that she said that she has an opposition and an obstacle, and she went to her knees to pray. And... Um, and it's so interesting, I ended last week's sermon with, we stand before others like David because we first kneel before Jesus like the leper. And, and we see that, that our success outwardly is because of our private devotion, you know. And um, David, uh, we know that there was an inward leper in him that cried out to God. And, 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 and here we are, in the, we could sh show strength that we could face opposition, but deep down inside there's that lonely, needy leper at the feet of Jesus. But then when we open up that door, it's like a David standing before Goliath. And uh, it's amazing because I know we could all relate to that, that we become Davids because we're first lepers at the feet of Jesus. And uh, what an honor that that's the first thing. And it's, it's a proof of this is why I do this because I find it only in Jesus. And, and she finds it only in Christ. So, you want to answer that? Or? Um, how has God just used you now in others' lives as you found your identity? That, that, um, that question is funny because I grew up in Miami, born and raised, went to school here and everything. But in 2007, for some apparent reason, which now I know the answer to, God took my wife and I. We had just gotten married in January 07, and we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina in April of 2007. And that's where I met the Lord. And um, now that, that explains why I know now he took me over there because he, you know, he wanted me to meet him. And here I was just caught up in, in, in the world, you know. But... Everything that I went through growing up, um, when I shared it with the pastor over there, uh, I was a new Christian. He asked me to share in meetings. He asked me to share one time on stage, and he just wanted me to continue to share my story. And it's funny how all my baggage, you know, immediately became my platform so that I could stand on it and share it and, you know, reach others who now relate, you know. Their lives were never perfect. Um, you know, Charlotte's in the Bible Belt. There's a lot of people who were born into Christianity and, you know, that's all they ever knew, but they were lost because, you know, they weren't like their families and they never really had a decision to be Christian. And um, here I am, somebody who didn't grow up in church at all. Um, my parents called themselves Catholics, you know, I was baptized, but never went to church. Um, the clubs were my church, you know, the clubs were my church and it was my platform and I was blessed enough to be able to share it to others in a you know, 735 miles away in a different state, so. Um, you know, we, we spoke about David, and uh, we looked at David's life, and we see that 
David growing up, his father looked down at him, worthless. Uh, when presented the next king of Israel to, king, uh, to Samuel, um, every brother of David was presented, but David was left out. David was still in the field with the sheep. And um, Samuel's like, no, there's another son. Where is he? And he's like, yeah, it's David. You, don't want, you remember the message, I'm sure. And, and then he, he finally called David, and God's like, that's him. Anoint him. I don't look at man the way, um, the way man sees man. I, I look at him differently. And, and I just thank God that he looks at us differently than the way we look at each other. Because can you imagine if God um, looked at us the way we look at each other? Uh, I mean, so, some, of our, some of our worst critics, it's, you know, we're a family or a church, but some of our worst critics could be right, sitting right near us, you know? And, and think about if we lived um, with that understanding. Thank God God looks at us differently, amen? Uh, and we looked at David's life, his father, his brothers, his king, King Saul, who would become his boss, um, all looked down upon him. And then his op- opposition, Goliath. And they all identified him as worthless and unqualified. So uh, as, as we almost wrap this up, you know, I want to ask this question. Um, how have you, if you've been able to, if you can't answer this, um, how have you been able to overcome others' opinions or identity of you? Um, and just real quick, uh, and just live by what God tells you, how to live with that struggle of fighting who mentally you think you are, mentally with others, or mentally where you've always been, and just say, no, I need to live out who God has called me to be, like David did when he went to, da- when he went to Goliath. Like, this is, uh, this is who he is, and, and i got to live this out. Uh, how has that struggle been in your life? Have you ever had that struggle? Um, or you could answer it this way. Um, if you are standing for the Lord, um, how, how is it to just truly believe only what he says and not to look at your, for your identity in something else or in someone else? It's so easy to do that, even as Christians. Um, you know, even pastors deal with that. You know, they look at other pastors' ministries and the way they preach and the way they... You could look at that from every aspect, from fathering to pastoring to husbandship to everything. So how do you fight? Like, no, I got to be who God's created me to be. And um, I can't go elsewhere to find my identity. I got to fight that struggle. I do. I fight that struggle on a daily. How about you guys? And how do you go about in your marriage, in your singleness, in your, in your own personal time, living out, not, um, not seeking it in other places, but seeking it in Christ? How I could relate to that one. So I think I can refer back to when we were first starting our ministry and I looked around and all the pastors and the pastor's wives had been seasoned pastors, you know? They had been around in ministry for a long time and here I am and here's Rigo and you know, he had obviously more experience than me, but I'm looking around and I'm like, oh wow, here we go. So this one sings, this pastor's wife sings, this pastor's wife sings, this pastor's wife sings, and here I am, I don't sing, I don't do anything. So I was like, Lord, what am I gonna bring to the table? And for a while it was a struggle for me because here we go with the whole identity thing. I knew who I was in Christ, but I didn't know how or who I was gonna be in the church. So for a while, like it was hard on me because I was like, I'm. I don't have anything to offer. Like, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm not like all these pastors' wives that have been around in the Lord forever. And here I am, a new Christian. And not only am I a new Christian, but now we're a new marriage, a new ministry. Everything was like one on top of the other. So it was a little overwhelming for me. But 
I think after some time, like the Lord just really spoke to me and said, you're not like them. And that's how I want it to be. I don't want you to be like everybody else. I want you to be you. And there's something in you that's special. And there's something that you're going to be able to do for me. And I'm not going to say it happened overnight. Like definitely I didn't, and I still don't have it, but there's, there's been a lot of work that the Lord has had to do in me to realize that it's okay to not be like the other pastor's wives. It's okay to not be like other Christians. You're yourself. You're your own person. And, you know, I found the children's ministry, which is something that I, you know, love to do. And, you know, other things. But, but that was something that was a struggle for me for some time. And, and I still struggle, and, you know, but... Um, I want to share a little bit about where I believed my identity was. I believed for a long time that my identity was found in my ex and how I had to make him happy and I had to be the best girlfriend because I was living with him but we weren't married and I was the best wife, right? So, um, rude awakening. Um, I had to come to realize that I was never going to be enough for him, right? But for God, I was. I was enough for God. I was, he died for me, right? So I was enough for God. And it was hard for me to, for God to be enough for me. Like, I kept trying to identify myself with, you know, I needed a husband. Like, this had to work because I need a husband. And, you know, I'm 26. I need a family. And, you know, who am I if I don't have a husband and I don't have a family? I'm just a single person. And, and that's a lie. And that's a battle for me still. You know, that, you know, you're single. Hmm. What are you? You're single. You're just single. What do you have to say about yourself? Um, so, so I just want to speak to the single people that it's okay to be single. And God still has a lot. In, in mind for, for us, and there's a lot of things that we could do that has nothing to do with marriage and, and children, so. It's funny, because to piggyback on what she said, um, again, I grew up in the whole clubs and all this stuff. Finally today, I have a beautiful wife, beautiful daughter, you know, good career, and when I look around to the people closest to me, the biggest critics, still never enough, you know? There's always something that they want to point out and criticize. There's always something you did wrong. When they can't find nothing in the current, they'll go back to the past and say, don't forget who you were back then. You know, so I still struggle with that today as, you know, and what I wanted to let you guys know is the only time I struggle with it is when I'm away from the word. Simple. If I don't go to church for two or three weeks, if I'm not picking up my Bible in the morning, if I miss Bible study, immediately you start to doubt in your brain. You know, this is a constant daily reminder. Your, your, your radio has to be Christian music, uplifting. You, you have to be in the Word. You have to go to church. Wednesday services are for a reason because it's midweek and you just, you know, the world is every day in your face. And until you identify yourself with the Word and with Christ and know that that's got to be your daily coffee, it's got to be your daily everything, you will have those moments of weakness where the world will grab you immediately. So the Word is powerful. <laughs> Still piggybacking out of that. Um, in reality, the difference is sometimes in life, God puts you in certain positions in which he's the one coming to, to you and letting you know, hey, listen, 
I am still here. Uh, I understand you still struggle. Like, for instance, I had, a, I had an opportunity at one time in which I'm talking, you know, this lady is asking me all these questions. Is how can you put up with all this? How can you make all this difference? I mean, are you nuts? What's wrong with you? And I says, well, you know what? And then God takes it on to me and it says, the lady is Jewish at this point, And in the meantime, I'm preaching to her. So it's like, you know, all these bosses that we have around here, they have no idea where they're going. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I, all the work that I do, I only for God, for do it for God. If I do it right for him, it doesn't matter who else is around us. Because at that point, it should be satisfied. And she looked at me and it's like, well, that was good. That was really good. So, well, I guess. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> um, my struggle more than um, with what I did or didn't do, it's, it was, it's more with my faith. Um, because God died for, for us and, 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 and he's showing us that he has a purpose in our life. And, and sometimes we think that because we're Christians, nothing wrong is going to happen to us. Nothing, I mean, our lives is going to be perfect. My, I struggled a lot with my mom's illness because my mother... It's always been my role model. And she served God like I wish I could have. And in 2005, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So we had to close shop because we, you know, we served for years in ministry. And I remember those years just coming from school and going into my off in my um, room, my bedroom, and sitting in my recliner and grabbing the, the Bible and just put it on my chest because I couldn't handle it. Because at the beginning, we didn't know what was going on. So she just, she started being very aggressive. You know, she, I mean, it, it, was, it was really bad. And I will come home and she will tell me things because she kept saying that, it, it, it was bad. It was really bad, and I kept going. God, if he, if she served you the way she did, if she was the example of my family, why are you doing this to her? And why do I have to go through this? So I, I struggle with. Is this what really being a Christian is? Is this really wanted to, you know, to have faith? So it's 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 till this day. Sometimes I kind of lose my patience, and I have to go upstairs and I said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. I can't have to remember she's a baby. But, but it's really hard. That, that's my struggle, just to realize that, okay, yes, I am a child of God, and I can't handle this because he's with me. You know, um, I'm not going to use the word piggyback, but, <laughs> but in relation to all this, like, one of the things that I said last week was, you know, when our relationship with the Lord breaks down, um, who we are begins to break down. And I think you've seen clearly that in our struggles and in our weakest moments, each one of us has one thing in common. Our struggles are different. Did you catch that? Our weaknesses are different. But I wanted you to see the common denominator. Every single person up here knows that they need to run to Jesus. 
And, and that's what's special. That though the struggles and though the weaknesses are different, the same thing is that Christ is the center. Christ is the source. And um, we've recognized, and, and last week's message, we said that when that breaks down, that relationship, you hit it on the head too when you said, you know, when I'm away from the Word, when I'm away from the Lord, that's when things are at its worst. That's when I lose myself and identity is lost. But when I get back to that, when I'm in that prayer, when I'm in that room, when I'm seeking Him, that's when, when I'm at my best and I'm at my strongest because it's in the Lord, you know. And my weakest is when He is strong, Scripture says. Paul and even Peter, they just describe His strength in the midst of weakness. So to close up, um, you know, we spoke about the ten lepers and, and we've learned that learning in who He is, it begins to change what we do and who we are. And we looked at the ten lepers last week, and one of them comes back, only one out of ten. And Scripture says that he returns to the Lord, he glorifies him, he falls down on his face, and he begins to give him thanks. And that's the life that I pray that we could all live forever. That we could be that leper that never stops going to Jesus. It's so easy that as things happen to turn to something else. Or to run to someone that might, you might feel that has the answer. But the void will remain. And the, the key is to, to be like that one leper that returns, that glorifies him, humble and honored, honoring him, gives thanks to him. So is there anyone that would like to, as we close up, to share on how we could encourage anyone, maybe that's here, here just to put their trust and their obedience in the only one that could cause them to, to live out in their true identity, um, a push, an urge, an encouragement that you might want to give do something maybe, I uh, think with mo most of your stories you already have, but is there something that maybe is sticking out that anyone wants to share? I'll open that up if you guys think of anything. If not, I'll just, no? I'll share something. I shared it with the women on, um, so not all the women were there, so I, that's why we'll share it now. <laughs> um, we were talking about the will of God on Tuesday, right? Tuesday. And I had mentioned a little saying that had said, I don't remember the exact words, guys, so bear with me. I'm going to try to summarize it. So basically, it had mentioned that if God were to show us the whole picture of what our life would be, we would be so scared and we wouldn't be able to continue. And we, he knows we can't handle that. Huh. So... I feel like wherever you are now, at whatever point in your life, you might be the biggest Christian you think you are, or you might not be a Christian at all. Your faith might be up here, or your faith might be down there. Just knowing that God's going to take you through it. He's going to be there with you every step of the way. And although there's times where we think we're not going to be able to make it, I don't know how I'm going to go through this situation. I don't want to do this, or whatever the case may be. There's a reason behind it, and he has a reason for whatever is happening in your life. May it be good, may it be bad, whatever the case may be, but, but there's a purpose behind it. And when you go through th certain things in your life, and then you look back and you're like, that's why he put me through that, because look at where I am now. And if I wouldn't have gone through that, I wouldn't be where I am now. So me personally, I look at my life and my relationships and my friendships and it was hard. Like, I don't even know how I'm here because thoughts would go through my mind, you know, and 
knowing everything that I went through, like, I thank God that he put me through that. Because if it wasn't for all those times that I went through, if it wasn't for all those downs and downs and downs, I didn't know how much lower I was going to be able to go, but I was there. Um, I wouldn't be able to be where I am here and talking to you guys about it. So just be thankful for where you are because there's a reason behind it. And, and you could probably bless somebody that's sitting right next to you with whatever you're going through. You might think it's not a big thing, but it is. It is, and you could minister to anybody around you. And just like um, Regal was saying, the, the, the power behind our testimony, it's, it's big. Although some of us might not think it's anything like a big deal, it is. It's a big deal. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you may, please. Hallelujah. You know, last um, week, and I've shared this quote many times, and it's uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking less of, just thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. And in this room, Lord, I, I know that there are many who are here today and they just got to get to a place where they could just stop their thoughts on themselves for a moment and not necessarily try to figure out how do they live into this purpose that they've been given. How do they live in this will, in this car? Or how can I fulfill this identity? I pray that they would just stop thinking about themselves right now. I pray that they would not concentrate right now on what they need to do, on what they should do, or how they should be like. But that in all of that, the answer is, Lord, that we would come to you. That we would think of you more. And think of you often. And run to you like that leper, Lord. There's no place that we are most successful at. Sometimes we think standing strong with our chest out and our head up is the most successful stance that man could ever put off. But we know that in Scripture, the most successful stance is what the leper took. And that is at the feet of Jesus. On the ground, on his face, prostrate, on the floor, even on his knees. That's where we are strongest. That's it. That's where I am. That's where I am who I am. And Lord, I've come to recognize this truth. That I know who I am because of who I know, and that's you. And who I know I am, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room that is struggling with this, that they would know who they are. That they would know because of who they know. And that they would come and say, I am because of the I am. It's because of God. It's because of the Lord and what He's done in my life that He's created this person who I am today. So Lord, strengthen every person here. Strengthen every story. Strengthen the faith. If there's a weakness here, that's, all, that's wonderful. That's what you need. Be strong in it. You don't need a strong man. You need a weak man and a weak woman. And in their weakness, make them strong. In their quietness, make them loud. In them being timid, make them bold. Lord, wherever we are at, 
as personal individuals, each person in here, let us find that strength. Let us find that identity in you. Lord, I pray that if it's one thing that each person here said, just if it's just one thing that someone said, it may have changed the way we look at this life forever. That we would be blessed by this group of people, this, these testimonies that were shared. And by what I opened up with in the book of Mark, that I was like Matthew. I was called to live something else, but something happened, something influenced, something moved me to take another path and to make wrong choices which stole my identity. But as you've come to me and you've looked at me and said, follow me, Lord, you, you've given me identity back and you've given me who I truly am. And I pray that for every person that's here that struggles like Matthew did in that tax collector's booth. That they would hear your voice today saying, follow me. Come on, close the door, drop the nets, leave it all behind. How many of you in this room right now where you're at, God is calling you, leave it behind. Come on, drop your nets. Come on, close the door to everything that you know. Drop the nets to everything that you know. And follow me, we'll find your identity, find your true self in me. Are you in here today? Are you that person today? So if that's you right there where you're at, just say, Lord, it's me. I follow you now. I need you, Lord. I will follow you. I will do what's right now. I will seek you now all the days of my life so I can find my true self. You know who you are. You know the depth of your being. You know what's there. So, Lord, we love you today and we thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for saying those words to me. Follow me. Since those words have been spoken, I've never been the same since. And I know that to be true for every person that's up here. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And together, church, give them praise. We say amen. Amen. God bless you guys.